BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. I tell them I'm not like. Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. If you guys are new here, my name is Kinsey. I am the host of this podcast, the I Love You So Much podcast. We've been having a good time with the podcast recently, guys. I feel incredible. Just got back from a recording trip to Nashville, my second favorite place in the world after Texas. I absolutely love it. If you guys want, you can go on my YouTube channel and watch the vlogs. They're really fun. Dom is back, y'all's favorite guest. And they're just a great, it's a great time, all right? But We have so many good episodes coming up from that trip, including today's, which is with Jason Tardick. You guys probably know him from The Bachelor or is it Bachelorette? I don't watch The Bachelor stuff, so I actually don't know. I know Jason from his podcast because I love his podcast. He's also with Dear Media. He recently came out with the book as of like this week, actually, The Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career. And honestly, like what a perfect guest for the show because we talk all the time about navigating your 20s and changing your mind. In this book, I loved it. I'm not even restarting my career and I still got so much out of it. It talks a lot about like cities. He gets a little bit more specific, I think, than most people do. And he gives you very like tangible tips. It's really incredible. 10 out of 10 would recommend. But anyways, in today's episode, we are talking about restarting, rewiring, and resetting your career. We're talking about movies in different cities in your 20s, just navigating that, when to quit. I mean, this is a great episode. I think you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, let's welcome Jason onto the show. I actually wear cowboy boots daily. Like I Do you? Yes. Do you wear a cowboy hat or cowgirl hat? I have some for like the beach kind of thing. Beach. Oh, like, like the flimsy, vacation. like the not like yeah. a legit. You're not wearing no, like not a Stetson. Like Fort Worth or something. Gotcha. Okay. Which is like my Disney World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realize. Fort yeah. Worth is really cool. It's so much fun. Billy Bob's. Billy Bob's is my favorite place in the entire world. Billy Bob's world. is awesome. Within my friends, like I am known as Billy Bob's. Like I am the one who's like sending every. I think next weekend, I think we're going to a show. You're the Billy Bobette. Yeah, actually, I there am. There you go. <laughs> so, anyways, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And I actually read the book. I feel like cool. people like to lie in interviews and say that they read the book. And I oh. loved it. It was so good. Amazing. I appreciate that. Thank you. Are you a fast reader or no? Yes. Yeah. I'm also a big reader. Okay. So you enjoy reading like thoroughly, eh? 
That's great. Yeah, no, that's I, awesome. Because some people say they like skim it and then like, they'll be like, yeah, I'm just not a, a huge reader. But that's amazing. I appreciate that. Are you a reader? I am. I am like more of a quick reader. I'm more yeah. of a like, give me an article, give me the newspaper. But to sit down and read a book like soup to nuts, start to finish, isn't my forte. And actually that made the audio recording like a pain in the ass. You're sitting in a little studio, six hours reading your book, oh, but you have to read it with like the enunciations and the pauses and the tones. It was brutal. Do you lose your voice after that? <laughs> you do. Well, your jaw gets a little like tight. Your neck gets tight. You lose your voice. And I like my respect now for anyone that does their own audiobook. I'm like, okay, even if the book sucks, good for you. Because that, <laughs> that process is brutal. I lose my voice every other day. So I would never be able to do that. Wow. It's just, I guess I just don't shut up. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do when you lose your voice? What do you do to like get your voice back? Do you have like a like a TikTok trick? No, I've been I've been working on it. Actually, the people who follow me on Instagram have been telling me I need to go to a doctor recently okay. because it's actually getting bad. But I just won't talk for a few days and then I have like throat coat spray and stuff gotcha. and I hope for the best. Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. Teach their own. Teach their own. <laughs> okay, so I'm really excited to talk to you today. I was explaining to Jason before this that our audience, the listeners of this podcast, love navigating your 20s in general. Yes. So this podcast or the book is Perfect, perfect for the podcast. This is a very good topic. Then. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about you started off the book on a very vulnerable note. And I want you to share it and get into it. I can't speak for you, obviously. But yeah. I thought it was cool because one, it's a hard thing to share. And two, I think especially as a male, like mm -hmm. that is it's very taboo. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that the story I share in the first chapter is a story I've really not shared with anyone. And it creates it's like instant rawness and vulnerability because these like my colleagues and my old bosses and the boys, boys of, of corporate America and Wall Street are going to read this and be like, what the fuck? Like, wait, what? This was happening. And the interesting thing is the same thing that happened to me that I talk about in the first book. I know happened to colleagues of mine because they confided in me and they told me that they too were on SSRIs and anti-anxiety medication because of some of the stress that they were undergoing in the job, but they just wouldn't talk about it elsewhere. And I would never call them out, but I will call myself out. And I talk about in the book that I was carrying so much weight because I don't know if anyone can relate to this in their 20s, but I was trying to be so hard to be perceived as successful in the eyes of my peers, family, colleagues, and bosses. So much that I felt as though I was wearing an identity that wasn't me, the way I was talking, the way I was acting, uh, the way I dressed. Everything was like through what the company would define as success. And holding this weight for so long of in a certain meeting, acting a certain way, and having a certain posture, and speaking in a certain way, it really just started to continue to weigh and weigh. And I talk about a story. I'm in the middle of a huge client pitch. Executives everywhere. I'm the youngest in the room. And right before the pitch, I have to excuse myself and I have a full-out panic attack in the men's bathroom. And uh, it was an interesting ride from that point on. At the time, did you realize that you were unhappy and that this was the cause? Or did you think this is just like almost like a rite of passage? It's like the normal in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think your body, like your body speaks to you, right? Like there's inner voices and your body speaks to you. I knew for so long that I was having a lot of anxiety with the job. Like anyone out there, if I say the Sunday scaries, like does that correlate? That's the, the title of chapter one. I was having intense Sunday scaries. When I closed the door, you know, going into work, I felt like I was kind of locking myself into career jail. And on Friday afternoon, I was like, 
I'm out of career jail. Let's start drinking. Let's start boozing. Let's get after it. And felt like I could just live who I wanted to be those like, you know, day and a half or so. So I think one of the things is that my body got to a point where it was like telling me like, dude, you're, you're doing too much to be something you're not. And it literally put me face down flat in a pool of sweat in the bathroom. And I think whether you either address your inner voices, you either start to take control of your story and start writing it for yourself, or eventually, inevitably, from the research I've done, you will break. This was me breaking. If you guys didn't know, I feel like I actually, maybe I don't talk about them on the podcast that much, but I have two dogs. They are the loves of my life. We have Fitz. He is a golden doodle. He is named after President Fitz from Scandal. And then we have Coconut. She is a Morky and she is named after Coconut, the dog from American Girl Doll. All right. These dogs are my life. I take care of them as if they are my children. When I first got Coconut, who was my first dog, I just noticed that a lot of products just weren't really that cute and they weren't really meeting like standards. I just, I wasn't wowed by it, all right? So when Diggs CEO Zell adopted his rescue dog, he found that there weren't very many high quality, well-designed products out there for her. He founded Diggs to give pet parents a better option, which I'm so grateful for. Thank you to Zell. All of their products are made to baby industry material standards because the pets really, they deserve the very best. They also have a really special in-house team of designers that work to develop every product to be the best it can be. Their products are designed with a safety-first mindset, but they're also aesthetically pleasing. I feel like so many of my things before were like an eyesore, like the dog crates and stuff in my house. Didn't love them, but my dig stuff, it looks so good. It actually like literally matches my house. That is how stylish it is. So my favorite is the Diggs Passenger Travel Carrier. It's stylish. It's a safe way to travel with your little BFF. It's made for dogs and cats up to 18 pounds. It also received a five-star crash test rating, the highest score from the Center for Pet Safety. So you guys can bring your pup along in the car, on the plane, on the subway, whatever floats your boat. It also includes a custom bed with built-in pee pad, so you don't have to worry about accidents on the go, which is incredible. So you guys can visit www.digs.pet and use code podcast20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's dig, it's D-I-G-G-S. Again, www.digs.pet and use code podcast20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Have you ever found weird things in a vagina? Have you found yourself needing multiple partners to fulfill your desires? Hey guys, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Walters, a board-certified OBGYN. It is so important that we know how and when to ask the right questions, whether you're in front of your doctor or just hanging out with your good girlfriends. Now, I wanted to create Dr. Jackie's point of view because sometimes you need to just hear the unfiltered good old Dr. Jackie. I will inspire, uplift, and educate women and men on the who, what, when, and where of things we balance daily. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Jackie's Point of View and tune in every Thursday. I want to talk about like breaking the blueprint. Mm -hmm. We, I think as humans, want to be what we think we should be, what we think they think we should be, our employer, our friends, our parents, society's expectations, whatever it is. How do you go from, uh, okay, I'm living this life that I don't like, to gain acceptance or success or money, but ultimately it's leading me down a path that's very unhappy or to more anxiety or whatever it might be. How do you get from that point where you're, you know, in the bathroom leaving the pitch to I actually like my life now? 
Yeah, I think so. Like the whole, the whole book, Restart Roadmap, right? I think before you can just hit restart, we all want to just change it right now. We want to get rich overnight. We want to change our jobs overnight. It doesn't happen like that, unfortunately. You mentioned Blueprint. I think it's so important that every person sits down right now and rewires like, how did they get to this point? Start addressing maybe some of the insecurities or challenges, or maybe when you made critical decisions in your life, you know, how prepared were you to make those decisions? I first think we need to rewire before we restart. A great way to rewire is just think about anybody you look up to. It could be a singer, politician, actor, leader. Think about who those people are. You see them where they are today. I promise you, if you do some research on these people and rewire how they got there, they had lefts, rights, changes that were launch pads, failures, huge misses. That's how they got to where they are. And I think it's really important that people drop into their authentic self because for 10 years, I was everything but my authentic self. And you will never find your, your, your total pinnacle until you get down and do self-examination to like the bedrock of who you are as a person and what you want. And for almost 30 years of my life, I just ignored that and kept living the way I thought I was supposed to be living. What were ways that you did self-examine? Because I feel like people know that they're unhappy or they know that they're not where they want to be. But you get to a point where I feel like you almost ignore yourself for so long. It's hard to know even what you want. I do think it gets to the point where it gets like really muddy. So what were things practically you did? Yeah. So, so two things. I think that people get stuck in their career because of mobility, passion, compensation, skill set, or just like this fear of complacency. I think under those five things, there's different customized solutions each person could apply to like get where they want to be. But one good practice I did, and I'll be interested in like your take on this. So right now, if you sat in a, in a closet or a room or an office and no phone, no TV, no internet, and you just wrote everything about like how you felt about your career and your future. If you wrote that all on a piece of paper and then tucked it away, and then you went to the closest people in your life, your best girlfriends, your mom, your dad, maybe your partner, and you ask them what they think. The question I have for you is, do you think those two would match? I think I'm a very unique case to where I, know. I do think that they would match. I think so too. But I'm a very weird case of career. Yes, yeah. I would have guessed that yours matched. And the reason I would guess that is because you could tell, like you glow with what you do. You're so proud of it, how long you've been there. You know, you, you take this very seriously. That you're only in person. Shit, I, I don't even do only in person. Like <laughs> you could tell that doesn't surprise me. You're in the right spot. And now for you, it's just about how do you continue to accelerate and grow and be discovered within this world. For me, when I did this practice, everything I wrote on paper was so different than the closest people in my family. So, and I talk about this in the book. I was like fearful, lonely, confused, uncertain what's next. Go to my friends and family. They're thinking successful, confident, go-getter, knows where he wants to be, is where he should be. No correlation to the closest humans in my life. So I was so disconnected with myself and the way I was putting things out there that the people that know me better than I know myself couldn't have thought more differently about where I truly stood. And I think that's a good practice that takes literally, guys, 20 minutes to give you an idea of like, are you dropping into your authentic self? Are you working? Are you behaving? Are you acting the way like your emotions are, are talking to you? So once you did that, what did you do next? 
Yeah. I mean, so for, I mean, once I did that, it was a huge wake up call. It was like, man, you gotta, you gotta figure this out because everything you're putting on the line every day isn't what you are. And you are going to be one of those people who majority of the people are look back at their life on their deathbed and don't regret what they did. They regret what they don't do. And so it was an eye opener for me. And it wasn't until shortly after that, I accepted a job that took me from New York city to Seattle. So it was, or New York to Seattle, it was about 3,000 miles. I knew no one. And I only took the job because I had recognized I had to get out of where I was. And the only way I could get out from where I was, was financial independence. So I talk on my podcast, Trading Secrets, the big thing we talk about is money, where money's made, how money's lost, because behind that, we could have tons of lessons. I preface that because I'm going to say some some dollars here and I don't want people to be like, dude, you just dropped that. It's just what I do every day, good and bad. (laughs) I also think you also talk in the book about how it's really important to be transparent about money. Yes. And I think that that is so true, so important. The only people that not talking about money benefits is the employer. That's it. It is so important to talk about money. So continue. But I just, I love that point that you made. I think especially as a girl, I feel really weird talking about money. Yes. Especially as a girl who's made a lot of money yep. in a weird job. I'm young, you know, mm-hmm. it's difficult. But anyways, I think it's an important topic. It's such an important topic because like the etiquette and the politically correctness of not talking about it is so that like the system can benefit from that. I think there's a very unhealthy way to talk about money and nor am I, I'm never advocating for that. Like nothing in a braggadocious, arrogant manner or embarrassed manner. It's like a healthy, let's just talk about it. So that's what we do on that podcast. We talk money, but I accept the job. I was 29. It was 110K signing bonus, 165 base and upside to do like double or triple the base salary. Now, I also want to tell people that there's a whole chapter on this in negotiating because to your point, only 37% of people in their entire careers negotiate for themselves careers. And women have, if you look at historically, if a, a male and a female, the same age, same backgrounds negotiate and ask for a certain raise, historically statistics show that the male will get a higher raise. And so there is a gap in gender pay that's being worked on. We're acknowledging it and we and it's, it needs to change and it, it is changing for the right way. But I accepted that job and I knew that doing that, I had to do two years based on the budgeting I put in place and that would give me the access to then go write my own story with or without a reality show, which was a wild curveball that came my way in the middle of those two years. I feel like I'm constantly talking about my latest obsession, whether it's a new book, sometimes a new show or a show that I've watched, you know, 15 times, new housework, whatever it is, accessories. All right. And so today we are going to be talking about Rothy's because Rothy's could be your new everyday shoe obsession. All right. They're already mine. They're so good. I have been wearing, you guys know I love like a hot pink color. I'm very much so like on a little Barbie vibe. Um, And they have this beautiful like dragon fruit color that I'm just obsessed with. I love the point in the women's shoes. And then also for like everyday stuff, I also love the driver in women's shoes. I have them in black, but I really need to get them in more colors. I like how they just have colors that pop. It's really fun for this time of year, but they are also legitimately the most comfortable shoes you've ever worn. You will wear them around your house all the time. You'll wear them on errands. You'll wear them out to dinner with friends. Like there is no place in which you will not be wearing Rothy's once you discover how comfortable they are. Okay, right? Listen to me. Rothy's shoes give you the right out of the box comfort, come in amazing styles and colorways, and you can wash them, which is incredible. Somehow my dogs get my shoes wet and dirty on every single walk that I go on. So having shoes that I can just like throw and wash is like so easy, right? So it's easy to see why millions of women wear Rothy's shoes every single day. 
So I already told you guys about the point. They also have the flat, which I love. I actually had these last year in just like a little off-white color. They're so cute. They're just very dainty, very feminine, but also very comfortable and durable. So I love them. They also make insanely comfortable sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and more. The best part is everything Rothy's makes is better for the planet. They've repurposed millions of water bottles into their signature thread that goes into every single one of their products. So step up your shoes and accessories this spring and get ready to be asked, are those Rothy's? Plus get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash I love you. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash I love you. I personally am going to recommend the point. I love those, but honestly, you cannot go wrong. Another thing I just thought about was you talk about kind of almost like a rock bottom was the breakup, mm-hmm. which kind of catapulted a lot of change. And it's so interesting because I was thinking about even in my own life, I've been in this. I started social media stuff when I was 16. I've been in the same realm for so long, like eight years at this point. But I think I had a big breakup, like at post-college breakup that catapulted so many things in my career. And personally, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. But I think so many people relate to that because I look around and it's really not even friends who have gotten fired. It's not friends who realize that they're miserable. For whatever reason, breakups are almost always such a catapult for change. And I think that using it in this way is actually very healthy. Yes. I I mean, I think you have to identify what your catalyst for change is so it doesn't even get to that point. But for me, I was, if I had one word to describe my 20s, it was camouflage. What can I do to camouflage all my insecurities? What can I do to camouflage my weaknesses so that those can't be showcased? I did crazy shit. I mean, I was literally taking, I would have Xanax and beta blockers stuffed in Listerine uh, strip cases, right? Hidden in my pockets. So when it looked like I was going for a breath mint, I was literally going for a Xanax. Those are the things like that didn't wake my ass up. But when I look back on it, what woke me up was this breakup, right? Because again, I thought I was doing all the things and all the right things in the right places and being the person I was supposed to be as a partner. But the problem was I wasn't even myself. And it just shook me to the core like, dude, you don't even know yourself. You don't know it. Like, you don't know anything. You thought like your future was right in front of you. And, you know, you go to a wedding and which was my brother's wedding. And the next day later you're getting broken up with a four-year relationship and two weeks later, you find out she has a significant other. And so the beauty of that is like, I truly look back on that though. And like, that was a game changer for her because her life went in direction that in the direction it was supposed to go. And she's in like a happy and healthy place. My life went in another wild, wild direction and I've never been healthier and happier. And without that, neither of us achieved that. And so the one thing I say in the book is like, be aware and like you just really be visible because if you can avoid that breaking point before it brings you to rock bottom, the climb up becomes a lot easier. But if you do hit rock bottom, it could be an amazing launch pad for what's what's to come. And I can look at times before then where I just felt like I I knew I like wasn't myself, but I oh. think I was being what I thought I needed to be for everyone else around me. And I think that a lot of people get stuck there. So if you're listening to this, like I would hope that you don't let it get to like rock bottom before catapulting change. But I look back now when I was like, I don't think I even realized how lost I was. And it's like, I knew, but I just didn't want to admit it to myself because then 
that would mean I had to change. And that just sounded like too much. And it was very, it was something I was very afraid of. Yeah. And I think that that just comes also with like the system that we're, we're born into, right? We see what success looks like, or at least I did. It was like, get good grades, try to get to the AP class, try to be in the best college and, and you'll see success, try to be in a top ranked position. Like we see this idea of like what it should be. And so I think we either like revolt against it or we conform to it. And the thing is, is when you lose yourself, you're losing everything. And that's when like the imposter syndrome and everything really will come to fruition because the only thing that's going to differentiate you from the entire world is you knowing what will differentiate you. Like we are all born with natural skill sets and then we like learn all different abilities. And there's things you could do way better than me and there's things I could do better than you. And making sure that like you have a clear understanding of what your like natural superpowers are is just so damn important. Think of, like, imagine if Tom Brady never played football. Imagine if Cristiano Ronaldo never played soccer, right? Imagine if Stephen King just gave up and stopped writing. I mean, I could do this forever and give you these examples. These, but what, if, what, if, what if The Rock, when he you know hit rock bottom, pun intended, and couldn't make it as a broke NFL player, a former pro, and didn't say, you know what? I know I want to get into this business of entertainment. I'm going to go to the WWE. Like, if you can't find that, you'll never get to where you want to go. I think that that is so important, especially. And that's just something like it's something that is almost very pure. A lot of the time when I got to a place where I was like, I have no idea. Like I say, yes, obviously, career wise, things have worked out. But there's been times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Obviously, like every other day. But for me, when I was like, I don't know what is my differentiating thing. I don't know what. And it's so obvious to me now. But every single thing was I looked back at my childhood and I looked back at what I wanted then. And I'm like, it's the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like maybe a little bit different. Obviously, the job didn't exist when I was five. <laughs> but the things that I was interested in, I found were the things or the things that like made me me as a kid are the things that still make me me at 24 in my career that have helped me a lot, at least. Yeah, I think that's a great, like if someone's listening to this, they're like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I do. I think like rewiring back to what your interests were as a kid huge. I think looking at like, what are the things that excite you right now today? Like, what are you doing this weekend or at night that excites you? Behind that excitement are thousands of businesses, right? And the other way to do it, it's the way that Barbara Corcoran did it. When I interviewed her and A-Rod did it, Barbara Corcoran had 22 jobs by the age of 23. She was fired 22 times. This correlates directly to A-Rod when I said, dude, you're one in eight billion between, you know, your best baseball player, you're the most followed baseball player. You're still one of the most relevant humans in pop culture. Like I could just, you're, you own it. You're one of the only athletes that owns a team. How are you one in eight billion? And the same thing he said is I live my life in the sixth gear. What the idea between Barbara and A-Rod and those examples are, they continually seek opportunity and fall on their face over and over because every time they fail, every time they embarrass themselves, every time they have a cringe moment, those were A-Rod's words, not mine, they now know more about themselves and the world and their strengths and their weaknesses and can readjust. So what A-Rod said is, I have had more life lessons than most people do in 15 lifetimes because I don't let fear dictate what I do. And when I look back, he's 46. When I look back at my life, I am like so embarrassed with some of this shit I did. Like, like it's awful, but I never ever get to where I am at 46 without those moments and learning from those moments.
on this podcast, we are all about taking things to the next level. All right. And also making our lives a lot easier. And I'm going to share the Macy's mobile app with you all today because I'm telling you, it, it just makes everything so much easier to have everything in one app. Like, you know, when you're searching for like order confirmations and stuff in your email and you can't find them and I can never literally ever find them. I also have 17 different emails that I use for orders. Um, the Macy's mobile app, is bringing that all together. It's making things so much easier, all right? You can also get started with a style quiz for outfit recs that are tailored just to you. Then choose your faves to keep a running list of the looks that get you inspired. You're also able, again, my fave, to stay on top of online orders and returns or take advantage of their price checking feature, which is incredible, and updated store maps the next time you swing by. Plus, Star Rewards members get special features like star monkey updates and exclusive savings sent right to their phones. You guys can download today for iOS and Android. Again, we are all about taking things to the next level and also just simplifying life, making it easier, making it more efficient. And the Macy's mobile app is doing that. All right, y'all. So be sure to download it today for iOS and Android. Them explaining it like that too also almost like takes the air out of it. It makes it a lot. It almost makes me less fearful of failure yeah. in a weird way. Because it is something, even Mallory Irvin said this in her book. She's like, I don't know why we're so afraid. She's talking about pain avoidance, same mm -hmm. thing. Like, I don't know why we're so afraid or we avoid pain so much when every single adversity, when every single person I admire, like, was built from it. And it's such an interesting perspective because I'm like, it, it really, like, rewires, honestly, like, how you view things that are scary or pain that you're avoiding or, you know, change that you're avoiding, I think. A hundred percent. No one has gotten to where they are without like really dealing with that type of pain, right? And it's just, it's, it's like how much discomfort can you have and how much discomfort can you endure before you'll make that next step and that discomfort will create an opportunity for you to make that next step. And anyone, again, anyone who you look up to, has dealt with that. And it, it, you think about it, like, what are you afraid to, like, what, what's the fear, right? So if I, if you, like, if I say like right now, you know, you, this weekend you, you do something and you completely are like embarrassed, then what happens? I don't know. People laugh with you. It actually creates vulnerability. Vulnerability creates like connection. So then people, you're more relatable because we all screw up. So it's actually ironic that the thing that we're most afraid of can actually put us in a better position if it happens because people have empathy for us. Yeah, definitely. It's wild when you think about it like that. I think that helps on likability too, which is something to talked about. Like, And it made me think, I'm like, every single bigger deal or project that I've gotten has come from like a likability aspect and networking mm -hmm. or just genuine friendships, relationships. And I think a lot of someone being able to be liked or someone you know, creating a genuine connection, it does come from vulnerability. So that also ties in. Totally. And like, let's see, I, that's why I love doing in this book is I bring it from like pop culture to like Wall Street to just like Main Street. Yeah. And so let's talk about pop culture. Anyone out there watches a show, who do you always feel bad for if you're watching The Batch? You feel bad for the guy that's crying. You're like, oh my God, I love him. I'm sitting there, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> so embarrassed to be afraid of crying when really it's funny because after the show, all the people that have been through it are like, dude, you should have been crying, man. People would have connected with you more. I was like, that's what I was so afraid of. It's a stupid example of the fact like when you just show your true emotions, the ability for you to build human connection is going to be so much deeper. And what was interesting is when I got off The Bachelorette and I went back to corporate banking, it was weird how because my walls had now been 
broken. People from work had now seen my personal life and, you know, been introduced to my family and seen all these different sides and stories of my personal life, not professional life. The depth of relationships I was able to build at work had never been more sound and deeper because I was just so open and they knew me in a different way. And so I was trying so hard to do all this other stuff that I thought would create that. But weirdly enough, it was just being open with them that is what created like really strong business partnerships. That is not shocking, but it is crazy because yeah. like it, we overcomplicated a lot mm-hmm. when really it comes down to, I mean, actually like just being yourself. Totally. Because that's what people connect to. Something I really loved that you did in the book was kind of go through different cities cost of living, what certain income will be, different taxes, whatever. Sure. I thought that was really helpful. So in your opinion, someone in their 20s is restarting. What city, what city do you think is, like, give three, because obviously I know yeah. it's hard. What would yeah. your top three cities be for someone in their 20s to live right now? So th- it's a tough question to answer because it all depends on like their career and where they're at. Are they single? Are they not single? What's their salary? But here are the three areas you got to look at. You have to scale. What is your city doing for you professionally? What is it doing for you financially? What is it doing for you personally? Give me an example. Grew up in Buffalo, New York, right? What I'm doing now, media, entertainment, entertainment, entrepreneurship, Buffalo, New York is on a professional scale is going to give me a scale of like a two out of 10, right? If I want to accelerate in media and entertainment and maybe television and all the podcasting, the best places for me to be for that, if I want a 10 out of 10, LA, New York, no question. Personal scale, I got my family, my friends, my hometown, my home heroes. That's, that's nine out of 10. Financial scale, it's extremely affordable to live. That's like an eight out of 10. So those are the three factors you have to weigh in your life and you have to determine what carries the most weight to you. There's a lot of people out there that are in small cities with their family and friends there, and it makes them so happy and so satisfied. They understand that it impacts their professional you know, acceleration, but they're okay with it. That's great. The problem is if you haven't identified really what of those areas, professional, financial, or personal, are where you're trying to excel, that's huge because you know in the professional space, like you want to get into certain areas, you want to be big in tech, you cannot be sitting in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. right? You want to be big and singing? You can't be in Buffalo, New York. You have to be where the people are and where the businesses are to accelerate. And what's cool too about the pandemic is I feel like it's made other cities more, I, I don't know if accessible is the right term, but like you think of Austin, Texas. Sure. Austin is booming. Like there's definitely other cities to live. And as someone who lives in LA for years and is in LA all the time, like I promise you, there are a lot of other cities to live besides just LA and New York too. Mm -hmm. And so it was cool the way that you broke that down because I was like, that actually is so helpful instead of only, and maybe you do want to move to LA and New York. Like that's incredible. Totally. But there are other factors and options that I feel like people don't take into account because you can move to a city for your career and like you, your experience with Seattle, like you can move to a city for your career and then it doesn't have anything for you personally and it just wasn't the right fit. Exactly, exactly. And I, to your point, you can have a job from a New York City employer that they used to have to hire someone in New York City for and live in Nashville and have no state income tax and be able to benefit severely off the cost of living adjustment from you know staying out of politics, but just giving you the financial outlook. What they're saying is that more progressive cities in conservative states are blowing up right now, right? Especially because of the virtual work. So Austin, 
Denver, Nashville, places like that. So in the book though, there's a whole index of all the resources you could go that will give you the best cities for what you are looking for, whether it's you're single, just looking to find your person or it's a professional, a certain industry. So the book has that in the index, which is cool. No, so helpful. Yeah. Okay. We have two listener questions and essentially I asked for questions on Instagram and I got, I think the same two questions phrased (laughs) in maybe 300 different ways. The first one being, I am new at a job and I really don't like it. I truly hate my life. I wake up every morning really uninspired, really unhappy. How long should I stay before leaving? I would say 90 days. 90 days minimum will give you a good idea. I think there's always growing pains. Learning something new is never easy, but 90 days. And then once you get past that, it's really going back to rewire what don't you like about it? Is it that? Is it the job? Is it the employees? Is it the culture? Is it that your your natural skills aren't aligned in the job description? Is it compensation? Is it passion? Once you figure out what that is, you can customize a solution. And there is a, a chapter in the book called like the core pillars of your career that'll help you break down which it is, and then will help you maneuver accordingly. But ninety days. I like that answer. I think it's good. Some people say like six months. Yeah, it's. it's but I feel like 90 days is a, is a good one. Yeah, 90 days is my go-to there. My life is truly just getting crazier by the day. And so as I get a little bit more stressed or overwhelmed, I also want to be proactive in taking care of myself because I feel like my health and fitness is kind of the first thing to go when it's the only thing that really keeps me on track and makes me feel so much better. So that is why I absolutely love Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef's options for every lifestyle include keto and paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. So the Green Chef's fast and fit option is the ideal option for eating well when you're strapped for time with recipes under 700 calories and ready to eat in 25 minutes or less. Green Chef's pre-portioned ingredients mean you'll actually reduce your food waste by at least 25% compared to grocery shopping, according to a HelloFresh global food waste study. You really cannot go wrong. And again, as life gets busier and just crazier, I'm really trying to make sure I'm staying on top of my health. It's a very, you know, breadwinning housewife thing to do. I also just love cooking. So I love having these meals like ready to go because it still gives me a little bit of time to like unwind and cook, but it takes all of the hard parts out of it. It makes it so easy and I don't have to go to the grocery store. So it saves me so much time and also It keeps me on a track where I'm eating foods that are like maybe a little more nutritious and like give me more energy and just make me feel a lot better. So go to greenchef.com slash I love you 130 and use code I love you 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Again, that is greenchef.com slash I love you 130 and use code I love you 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Okay. And the next one is how to get comfortable selling myself. In the book, you talk about personal, everyone's like a personal brand, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because obviously I hear that all the time as an influencer, but I didn't think about that on an everyday, every single person, especially with resumes and LinkedIn. I just never thought of it that way. And it was helpful. But how to get comfortable selling myself? Well, I got good news and bad news for that question. So here is the good news. The good news is whoever asked that, You are, whether you know it or not, you're selling yourself every single day and you've been selling yourself since the day you were born, right? The decisions you make and what you wear, how how you drive, what you drive, how you interact, 
everything, you, how your social media picture is decided, how your LinkedIn is created, how you write emails, how you take phone calls, how you text. You're always selling yourself. Whether you know it or not, that's what you're doing. And that's the good news is you're already doing it. The bad news is if you can't sell yourself and you can't get comfortable with knowing your story and being able to articulate it's a, it's a huge red flag. We have to stop everything we're doing right now and we got to get comfortable with it because in a two, three minute synopsis max, you should be able to tell me where you've been, what you've done, where you are today and what's next because you are the biggest advocate for yourself. And we are in a very, very, very self-promoting climate right now. This could, be in your, this could be in your companies. This could be in the dating world. This could be online. It could be anywhere. If you're not self-promoting, I know it's a little unfortunate, but it's the reality. You're going to be left behind because you're not telling your story. What you're doing is someone is taking non-tangibles and selling your story for you. And that's the last thing you want. So if someone quickly, I'll give you an example. I did a show with Dave Ramsey, the other, or Dave Ramsey's daughter the other day. I'm in the hallway. Dave goes, you look super familiar. Who are you? What's your story? I'm on the run. I got a meeting in two minutes. I got 90 seconds to make an impression. If I give you 90 seconds right now to make an impression and one introduction could change your life and you're listening to this and you can't do it, start practicing. Practice in the car, practice in the shower, practice Can when you you're going to yours, bed. you give us yours, what you said to Dave Ramsey? For sure. So, so Dave Ramsey, he's like, oh, what are you doing here? You're, you're on Rachel's show. Like you look, you look important. What's your story? I said, oh, I'm not important. 10 years in corporate banking, got my MBA, took a wild detour into reality television, The Bachelorette. And then I was forced into an ultimatum to restart my career in the bank, get rid of my side hustle or do it outside the career. I created a company just like you, Dave, called Restart that helps with financial literacy and career navigation and just wrote a book and had the pleasure of talking to your daughter all about the book and the impact we're making. Like to me, he's like, that is awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll have to get a copy from Rachel. That was it. I love how you go, not a big deal or whatever. And then it goes in like, it was so perfect. It really was. <laughs> that was it. But also like, I'll, I'll customize that, right? Yeah. Like if based on who I'm talking to and what they want to hear. Just like you, Dave. Yeah, just yes. like you, Dave, yeah. right? So I think so many people got to realize that when you're trying to sell something, you have to know what success is objectively in the, the viewer's uh, eyes. I do tell a story about this with Colton. Again, I bring it back to entertainment with The Bachelor. We were applying to be The Bachelor. And, you know, I go in there and tell him everything I want to tell him. Well, Colton goes in there and crushes it. And I asked Colton after he got the Colton Underwood, for anyone that doesn't know, he was a former Bachelor. I said, Colton, what'd you tell him? And he said to me, I told him, Jason's a great guy. Blake is a great guy. You want ratings? You want a great show? You're going to go with me. I'll give you the ratings. And that was a one of the best lessons I ever learned in my life, because the only common thing between the five people that were interviewing us, because there's a lot of differences, they have to put on a television show and they need ratings and that drives success for them. So that was an eye-opening lesson. That's really helpful. Another thing too, though, I think with you is just asking questions. Like you would have never learned that had you not asked a friend. It goes back to salaries. It goes like so many things of being transparent, bringing it back to also money, something I wanted to say when we started YouTube, I have had the same kind of core group of friends for the past eight years. We were in Cabo together last weekend. Like we are still really good friends. Mm -hmm. Before we had management, we would talk to each other about rates, what we were charging certain brands. Some people were charging a thousand. Some people were charging like 7,000. You just have no idea at that time. One, we were new to the space. 
Two, we didn't know brands were taking advantage of us. We were 16, 17, had no idea. But being open and asking questions and actually being curious instead of just taking what you think is easy and good and not really advocating for yourself made us all so much more money. And also we weren't taking getting taken advantage of as much. Exactly. And, and that comes back to the point. Like, think about if you didn't have those conversations, you're not winning. They're not winning. Who's winning? The brand or the agency. They're just going to take more off the top, right? Let's go. Let's even make it an easier example. Think about like Kelly Blue Book. The car industry back in the 60s and 80s, I mean, they just buried people with the way they could take advantage of them. Now you talk about it and Kelly Blue Book gives us the information and who's saving on that? The consumer. And you could take that into all the areas you spend and earn. Agreed. Okay, last question. Let's say someone needs to make a pitch for themselves. Like, I know obviously it's so personalized and different. What are three tips that you would give someone who needs a 90-second pitch if they happen to run into Dave Ramsey one day? Okay, so like if they're going to sell themselves, yes. like they're pitching themselves. Okay, so I think those are the, the three areas you have to break it down to is where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. Those are the three areas. So in the Dave Ramsey pitch, you heard me talk a little bit about 10 years banking, MBA. I'm establishing credibility with where I've been. This is how I ended up here. Bachelorette, detour, career, got kicked out the door. And this is where I'm going. I started this business. I now have this book. That's why I'm doing the TV show with Rachel Cruz, your daughter. So those are the three areas that you got to hit. Now, this is something I learned in the TV biz. And you'll even notice when you guys are listening to this podcast, I talk a lot. You have to get quicker. It's something I'm working on. I'm literally working on it right now. Be more concise with your delivery because the best people in TV biz will have 10 seconds to capture your attention as a guest. And they have to be very thoughtful about that. So in each of those stages, how are you going to quickly in 60 seconds to 90 seconds do it? So if I tell you 10 years corporate banking and MBA, it took me four seconds and hopefully it did something to your brain of like what you're thinking and stuff. So that's really crit- critical, succinct and quick of those three stages. Perfect. Well, yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can they find you and the book? Yes. Thank you so much for having me and congrats on all your success and your 24-year-old that knows exactly where she wants to go and what she's doing, like that's the dream. Think about how much runway you have now to really focus on that and what's next. So congratulations. All my social handles are Jason underscore Tardic. Podcast is called Trading Secrets and the book is The Restart Roadmap. It's it's on shelves now. You can get anywhere where you can get your books and uh, appreciate the support. And if you, if you read it, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, leave a nice five-star rating and review. I will be picking someone from the comment section on both the podcast Instagram and my Instagram, as always, to send a nice little breadwinning housewife hat to. Don't forget about that. Um, But yeah, I love you guys so much. And I will talk to you next Thursday. Bye.